everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and I'm here at Texas Motor Speedway, where we have just watched the opening race of round three of the NASCAR playoffs, the winner being probably the most predictable winner possible based on how this season has gone and that it was a 550 track and that it was Texas. Uh, I guess you could call it a sweep because it was the all-star race, even though that wasn't technically a points race. Kyle Larson. Same package even. Same. Well, no, because remember they had even less yeah. horsepower in that one. No, uh, yeah. No, no same package. So. Oh, you're yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, this was, it wasn't a surprising who won. It wasn't a surprise the organization. Um, it just kind of played out kind of how we thought it would. What was surprising was how the other playoff drivers and the days they have. So that, that made for an interesting race, especially the last, I don't know, 50, 60 laps or so. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't going that way for a while. I mean, uh, up until 36 to go, uh, all the playoff drivers were in the top 12, all eight of the uh, playoff drivers were having decent days. Nobody was having like a bad day or anything. Everybody was on the lead lap. Next thing you know, Joey Logano's engine blows up. Um, Hamlin has trouble. Truex hits the wall. He's out of the race. Um, it, it just seemed like, and you know, it was one of these restart heavy 550 package <laughs> classic type crazy yeah. endings. You know what I mean? That we've seen so often where they get bunched up. They can't go anywhere. They've just got to be super, super aggressive um, Ryan Blaney talking about afterwards how, you know, you absolutely just have to race like an asshole, uh, in this package and in modern day Kyle Busch saying there's absolutely no respect out there anymore. Um, it's all changed now. Um, Denny Hamlin talking about how, you know, he's out there going wide open, uh, around and around at times and thinking to himself, Hey, new NASCAR, here we are. So, um, <laughs> This yeah, is this was, was the 550 package, and this is what it was. This is a 550 package playoff race to me. It was, and honestly, for much of the race, I didn't think it was that good of a race. Um, I'm probably biased when I say this, but Texas is just not one of my favorite tracks to begin with. And really, for the first three-fourths of that race, it was like, all right, I mean, Larson's going to probably win or Byron might win. And it doesn't really seem like everybody was kind of strung out. There wasn't too much excitement. It was just like, eh it's another Texas race. And I was like, whatever. And then chaos happened. And then it kind of changes the, the finish of the race. And I think it's going to probably change people's perception too, a little bit, but really this was not a good race. I'm sorry. No, you look here. Here's the thing. I I'm not saying it was a good race necessarily, but I think you have to have, no, you're this, not going to, you're going to defend this a little bit, a little bit you're, in the sense you're going to defend this. Okay. You have to have somewhat <laughs> of an actual race at times, like a real race where you just let the guys go and let the playoff drivers, you know, the cream rise to the top and let them decide things in not like some bizarre kind of circus like race. I mean, this is the playoffs is the championship. Look, I'm not a big Texas fan A 500 mile race unnecessary in pretty much every aspect, except the Southern 500 and Daytona 500. But you know, to me, like you, you've got it. Like you, you need some credibility in the playoffs. You can't just have every race be a Talladega and a Roval and not you know, saying a Bristol night race. And, you know, just, Oh, this sure. crazy thing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like sometimes you just have to have a race like that kind of just unfolds and the best drivers show their stuff and, and, and give a chance for the best driver of the season, Kyle Larson 
to go out, dominate like he did, and move his way into Phoenix. Now that box is checked of, well, hey, at least you don't have another Harvick situation going into this year where you're like, the storyline of going to the Final Four is, hey, the best driver of the year is not even here. What a weird thing. Now it's like, okay, he's in. Now, you know, I'm sure Kansas will probably be crazy again, and Martinsville will be desperation and will be all, oh my gosh, can't believe this happened. But this Texas race played out in such a manner that, and, and look, there was a chance for him not to happen. I mean, those all those restarts at the end, it was like, uh-oh, he could be in trouble here. Somebody could get him. Something could happen, right? Um, he could not. Sure. That, that's a classic situation where sometimes the best car doesn't win. But he did. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't mind this race and the fact that it was playing out that way. Does that make sense? It, was a, it, no, it, it does. It was a natural race where the cream rose to the top and it wasn't, it, you didn't have all these, I don't want to say, what's the word? It just, it played out the way a, a race, a 500 mile race typically should. And I understand that. And I'm not asking for chaos and craziness throughout. I just thought at times the field got strung out a lot. There wasn't a ton of passing up front during green flag runs. It was like, Kyle Larson got in front. He led a lot. And then William Byron got in front. He led some. And that was it. It just, and we had some cautions and everything during the middle of the race. And there's some pit strategy and everything, which was fine. And again, I get that. Not every race, listen, I'm 100% of the belief, not every race is going to be, you know, <laughs> you can't have like a video game type race every single race. But it just, the racing at Texas is just, it's not good. It's just not. It's, it's, it's not, it's difficult to watch. Well, I mean, look, Larson led 384 miles of a 500 mile race. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's again, I'm, I'm not like, wow, that was a classic, but it's just, you know, to me, like you, you've got to have a chance for, you can't just sure. keep throwing these guys into like a laundry machine every week and just being like, who's going to come out on top? Oh, you know, you said you hated the lottery idea of Talladega, how they were billing it that way. Um, yeah. And so this was not that, right? So you've got to have a balance. Oh, and fun. so, yeah, I mean, again, would, would I make some improvements to this race format? Like, would I say, hey, maybe this should be a 350-mile race or something? I think that might. I would start with the, tr- I would forget the format. Let's just start with the track and let's just bulldoze that thing and then redo that. Because they I mean, well, it's, just. I mean, they, yeah, they've screwed up this track. I mean, it's not uh, the best, it's not the best show. I mean, the the way they redid it with the, the one flat side and, and the, the track is stained with the PJ one, even though they use the resin now. And it's just, yeah, it's, I'm not defending it. Like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I'm going to the mat for, for Texas motor speedway here. I'm just saying like such a five fifty truther, Jeff. (laughs) Well, these, these are not going away because as we learned her at the test this week, um, it's not, you know, they're, they're reducing the horsepower on, on road courses and, and short tracks, from 750 to like 670 or whatever it is. And the 550 package is basically staying. So just get used to it is all I'm saying. And whatever, however the next gen car races, this is the kind of racing that NASCAR wants, at least on the restarts, can't get away from each other. Got to push all this stuff. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying love it, but this is what it is. And this is, this is reflective of NASCAR. And, and I think that's what you had today. I, I, I don't know. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. No, I think my, my issue at the end of the day, is not so much the racing, which, you know, sometimes you're going to have races like this and we had a deserving winner today. It's honestly, it comes down to this track is, is NASCAR has done a really good job of let's be honest, thinning out a lot of these tracks, you know, Michigan is down to one race. Now Chicago's off the schedule. Kentucky's off the schedule. And 
We still have Dover. two races. That, we Dover still got one. one. Yeah, we got one race at Dover now. You know, and Pocono is going to have one race next year. So NASCAR's done a good job of just getting, you know, eliminating some of these races that you just are excessive. And we still have two races at Texas. Now, yeah, but Brandon one was the All Star. Yeah, one's yeah. the one's All Star so race. You don't have to. You didn't have to suffer through two five hundred mile Texas races this year. No, but I also want a better thing for my All Star race. I want something more spicy than you know watching these guys circle Texas. And I just at the end of the day, it's a playoff race at Texas has no sizzle whatsoever, and that's unfortunate. And it's again, it's not. It's probably not fair to criticize the racing there, so because for honestly, if you're probably comparing this to other Texas races, this was probably a pretty darn good race compared to other texas races but that bar is so low i mean you could crawl over it <laughs> yeah no i i i'm not arguing with that um but you know so now now the stage is set you know you've at least we've gotten uh to see one race here in the third round so you kind of know okay well this is this is the picture let's run it down for you obviously kyle larson into the final four like no shock at all except the only surprise is that like, well, I mean, Harvick didn't make it last year when he was at a similar points cushion. It was actually a really good argument um, this morning that Kyle Larson made. He said he was worried about it because it wasn't, they wasn't looking at the amount of playoff points that Harvick had last year. He was looking at what, how many points above the cut line Harvick entered that round. Um, yeah. 45. Yeah. And so I think Larson had had 47 this year, right? So 40, Larson um, was actually less than Harvick last year at 42, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was 47. Anyway, I, I, I should know this. I wrote about it this week on the, no, Athletic, I think it was 48. I think it was 48 even he, that he had. Hang on. I'm going to look. Okay. Well, anyway, but, yeah. but the margin was, it was, it was pretty similar to what Harvick right, had last right. year. Right. So that's what he was saying. Look, I'm not taking anything for granted. And he seemed like legitimately like, Hey, I'm, I really got to go execute here. And so he did. So he's in uh, Blaney is plus 17 on the cut line. Hamlin plus nine, despite his bad day. I mean, they really salvaged that. Uh, despite him spinning with the the contact, the cut down his tire from Blaney going, when they went three wide. Um, and, and then, you know, getting the nose damage uh, from running into Busher. He still finishes 11th. So they really salvaged that. Kyle Busch was pretty miserable after the race. Really, really down on, you know, because he, he won Texas last year. I think he had high hopes. Um, but JGR today did not have a lot of speed in their race cars. No, no, they didn't look like they did at Vegas for sure, did they? No, I mean, Hamlin was good in Vegas. He probably had the third fastest car, won that race. And today, really, for much of this race, there was a good stretch where Hamlin, the only guy in the top 10 was was Hamlin. And, you know, Bush and Truex were kind of just flirting with it. And Bell had his issues early, rallied back. But they were off today. And it, it was, uh, and you look at it, Truex is in a big points hole now. It's it, it's If this is a indicative of what's going to happen at Kansas, that's not good for JGR. Yeah, I, I agree in a sense, but like in Truex's case, I still kind of always thought it was about Martinsville. And, you know, we all year we talked about the 750 races for him. So, um, you know, that really comes down to can you go win Martinsville, which he, he still can. So, uh, but he's 22 back. Chase Elliott's eight back. Keselowski, you know, he entered in such a big hole. So even despite a fourth place finish and getting, you know, a lot of points today that he really needed, he's still 15 out. Um, Logano's the one that is really hurt by this, uh, by his engine blowing. He's 43 out. So he's, he's going to have to go win. Can't really point your way back in, uh, to the final four when you, you start the round 43 out. And he had said before the race today, when we had our bullpen, he said, oh, we're going to have to be perfect this round. 
and then he goes and blows his first engine. I think Dustin Albino looked it up and it was like first blown en- engine since like 2014 or something. So yeah. really bad, really bad timing for that. Um, but they still weren't, I mean, they weren't having a really good day to begin with. So, um, he was probably still going to be below the cut line. And I, I tweeted, Oh, he's, he's going to have to go win Martinsville now. And everybody's like, Hey, there's two, there's, you know, he won Kansas last year. There's still Kansas. And I'm like, come on. All right. Have you seen the Hendrick motorsports cars? Like he's Joey Logano is not going to go win Kansas people. It's, it's Martinsville or bust in my opinion. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, you look at the Hendrick cars and how fast they are in the mile and a half racetracks. Absolutely. And I would actually throw Hamlin in that category and Kyle Busch in that category before I throw Logano because they both were good there. Kyle Busch won there earlier this year. Hamlin has been good there and he's been good in most of these mile and a half races this year. Um, I, I think the Penske cars in general are going to be, are going to have a, are, are going to be tough. I mean, it's just, as you mentioned, I think you made a great point about Keselowski. He was in such a hole to begin with, even a great day today. One of his, arguably his best race from beginning to race to end of the race all year. He's up front, stage points every segment, in contention, looked great. He still was considerably slower than the, the five car, and it doesn't matter where he finished really because he's still 15 points out. He's still in a spot where he needs guys ahead of him to have problems to capitalize. Um, his best case scenario for Keselowski is holding serve at Kansas and then going to Martinsville and just hoping for chaos or winning there. And I agree with you 100%. Logano's in a must-win mode. I, it just, I, I, it, not saying you can't win Kansas. I just don't see it. I mean, Keselowski is just doing everything he needs to yeah. every single week. Um, I mean, even aside from the, the two spins he had at the Roval, um, I mean, they're just maximizing what they have. They don't ha- necessarily have the speed to go up and contend. You know, uh, Ryan Blaney after the race today, he was asked, you know, what 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 else did you need out there today to to go win this race? And he said a jetpack um, to go <laughs> to go run with wow. Larson and Byron. So um, that's true, though. I mean, it's just those guys yeah. are just. It's crazy how, and it's not like Hendrick. We keep saying Hendrick. We probably shouldn't. It is the five and the twenty four. Like those two, you go back to Vegas, it was the same thing. Those two right now are so fast in these type of races with this package. It is crazy. Well, where's where's Elliot? I mean, I, I was a little bit confused what was happening to them today, and, and Chase was too. Yeah. Um, he said that uh, you know, there was a tire, you know, they had they ran the tires off their car at one point, basically he had yeah. a problem, and then he had to come back in. Um, and he you know, he, he said, well, nobody, this wasn't happening to anybody else. So it was obviously a problem with the way I was driving it. I don't necessarily believe that, but, um, that was not the day, you know, he said, he, you know, I said, well, you, you guys survived. And he said, yeah, but you don't want to necessarily come here and go, Oh, we survived. I mean, you want to run better. And I, I think they're still capable of it. I mean, I keep thinking he's going to get in the final four still, but, um, you know, this was the opportunity. I mean, like I've, I've been saying these two weeks are, one Larson is going to win one chase is going to win the other one. I'm not as confident after seeing chase's performance today that he can just go to Kansas next week and just be like, Oh, boom, we're fast. And we won this. You know what I mean? They've missed it today. They missed it. Um, other times this year, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. They've left a lot of wins on the table. They left a lot of points on the table this year and they continually have issues. And a lot of those issues are self-inflicted today. For example, they start at the back of the pack because of pre-race, you know, inspection issues. I don't, I understand there. You want to push the envelope and you want to get everything you can. But again, you don't want to start a playoff race last and have, to I don't mind driver. that though, because he, 
that's, <sighs> you know, sometimes when that happens, it's like, oh, Chase Elliott win incoming. Like Phoenix last year yeah. starts at the back and then they win anyway. I mean, 500 mile race starting at the back. I don't mind that. Like, you know, that, that shows Alan Gustafson's pushing it and you want them to be pushing it, right? No, I want them to push it to a degree. But at some point, it's, you know, we're looking at this going, wait a second here. We just, we don't need to put ourselves in a hole where we have to put our, in scramble mode. And today they weren't able to recover. They got up to in the top 10, but after that, they had some issues. And they never had the same speed as, as the 5 and the 24, and that has been an issue for a while now where the 5 is considerably faster. And I thought you had a great question to Kevin Harvick post-race, and Kevin Harvick gave kind of a, I don't know, would you describe it as a snarky answer? But Let's just, let's just listen to it because, um, you know, we had followed up with Chase this morning before, uh, before the, the in the pre-race bullpen, you know, are you satisfied with the – uh, outcome of you know the call you had with NASCAR as we know NASCAR called um, both them uh, had a conference call and I guess you know said look this is over between you guys cut it out kind of thing um, Chase said you know it's up to them it's, it's up to the the four team whether it's over um, he by the way made it very clear he said I did not ask for this I did not ask NASCAR to intervene he re- really wanted that very clear but um you know, he said, look, I'm, you know, we're obviously trying to move on here. And, and he, he gave more of an, a- more answer and entertained the questions more than I thought he was going to. Um, cause he said, you know, I recognize it's good drama for people and stuff like that, but you know, we've, you know, we've still got a chance to win a championship. So we're focused on that. Meanwhile, we hadn't gotten a chance to talk to Kevin Harvick, right? Because he is no longer required to do the, the pre-race bullpens as a playoff driver. And certainly he's not just going to be like, Hey media, you want to come chat? Um, so we hadn't really asked him you know, about what happened. So he finishes top five today. That means you're required to come to the post-race bullpen. And so I thought, well, might as well check in with him on, uh, on how that went. So let me try to play the audio for you right now. Are you satisfied with the conversation you had with NASCAR and Chase this week? No. Um, I haven't had a conversation with Chase. I thought NASCAR, well, NASCAR had a conversation with you guys. That was 10 words. Oh, okay. 10 words in about 45 seconds. So, you know, it's. Uh, I'm still baffled that he's worried about me. I had no chance to win a championship. Looks like, looks like he should figure out how to take the same car and run as fast as the five. So there you go. That was that quote, and he was he's like, "Not I don't... wrong." Well, I mean, that's. I mean, it's I get... snarky, and he's yeah. trying to dig a dig, but he's not wrong. I mean, the five is so far clearly ahead of them right now when they've got the same equipment. The 24 is clearly ahead of the nine right now. What is going on where the nine is 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 not and. Kevin's right. They should be focused on what's why are they why are they behind and trailing at a time when they should be hitting their stride like they were last year. I mean, the one thing is when I had tried to, you know, uh, to, to chase this morning at the the bullpen, I basically was saying, hey, it's you know you've got two five fifty package races here. It's right in your wheelhouse, and he kind of corrected me. He's like, well, Texas isn't is not in our wheelhouse. I I usually don't run that well at Texas. That's kind of been more of a problem for me. So. I'm not saying that led to the tire issues or their lack of speed or, you know, but maybe he's not as comfortable at Texas as he is elsewhere. So maybe you kind of give them some slack on that. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would share your concerns that you would think that it would be, um, all, all three of those cars. I, I don't really count Bowman up there anymore. Cause it, it just seems like they kind of fell off, but you would think it would, if Byron's got the speed and Larson's got the speed, Elliot would have it too. And you would think it would be like a one, two, three type deal. And it just wasn't. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have an explanation, but 
No, and I, and I think it needs to be said. As someone who thought Chase Elliott was going to have a really big season, and you've tried me for this, but I don't think it was unrealistic to think that Chase Elliott was going to be a, a force this year going into this year. He's got two wins. Those two wins came in road courses. We know Chase is great in road courses, but they haven't won in an oval, and that's that's a little alarming, especially this time of year. And they could obviously turn around next week and win, and they could win at Martinsville and Phoenix. We know that, but it's just – Something is off. They, they, just, they don't have the speed. They're not executing. It's mistakes. This is just a team that's it's kind of in search mode right now. Well, I, I won't bring up the fact that I don't think that he's won a single race since you made the bet with me that from this point, <laughs> from that point in the season, that Larson, you said Elliott would win more than Larson. I, I won't bring that up. But no, I think I you was do, wrong. I, I'll I, own it. I okay. Mean, okay. I respect that. Um, I don't think, I mean, that's a great point you bring up about the ovals um, and not winning on oval yet. That's definitely concerning. But I would also say that I'm not sure this time last year, even after the Texas race that Wednesday or whatever, that you, we would have been sitting there going, Oh, you know, who's going to win the championship chase Elliott, you know, you're right. Um, it, It was really just at, after Martinsville, you go, wow, chase Elliott kind of, I'm not saying came out of nowhere, but he, you know, he makes the final four. Wonder if he'll be a threat. Um, yeah. And then he wins the championship. So you're like, oh, okay. So I, I think there's still that storyline left to be uncovered. And and I don't know. Again, I, I that may not come from uh, a Kyle Larson type. You know, I think the Martinsville winner is going to say a lot about Phoenix. And yes, Kyle Larson does have two weeks now, and and his team obviously have two weeks now to prepare solely for Phoenix. But what I don't really know what else you can. Do I mean, I mean, yeah, you can tweak on the car, I guess, but I mean, was there ever a chance that they weren't going to be fully prepared anyway? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I buy so much that, okay, this extra time they have, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's, I don't know. No, I mean, they were always going to be focused on Martinsville because I mean, Kyle Larson has said this, that is his weakest track. That is the one track where he's really not, he struggled at. Now he was good there in the spring. He finished fifth. But that was really the first time he had a good run there and felt confident leaving there. The focus was when Hendrick for the five team has been on. We need, we know we can do good in the mile and a half. We got that figured out just fine. The results bear that out. Martinsville has been an issue. Curious about this win though is now with Hendrick only having two drivers in, in the, the this round. Now Larson is locked in. Does that maybe organizationally change the focus for these next two weeks and, and to, on Chase and that nine team and saying okay. We know the five is good. We're gonna, we're they're gonna focus on Phoenix. That's great, but everyone else, it's all hands on deck to try to figure out this nine and get them ready for Kansas, and then make sure they're ready for Martinsville. I have two answers for that because Cliff Daniels basically gave two answers, two talking out of both sides of his mouth in a way. Um, so first of all, he was saying like, look, my team, you know, they're they're gonna be grumpy with me because Tuesday morning when I go in there, I'm gonna put my foot down and say we need to win Kansas, and I don't doubt that for a minute. And, and Kyle Larson. You know, of all people, Kyle Larson, who goes and wants to win every single race he's in, sure. sprint cars, you know, all the time, this go-kart race that he entered uh, Saturday at GoPro <laughs> Motorplex against some of the top go-kart racers. I mean, he wants to win everything. So to think, oh, yeah, Kyle Larson's just going to go to Kansas and Martinsville and be like, oh, well, yeah, we're, we don't need any more playoff points or wins. We're good. Larson always wants to win. But second of all, Cliff Daniels also said, I think organizationally now the focus will be to get the nine into Phoenix. What does that mean? I don't know if that means helping them with more resources or notes. I mean, they're not going to let them win the race. They're not going to pull over for them. But at the same time, I mean, you're right in that Hendrick is 
you know, going to devote more resources to trying to get them up to speed and helping them in every way they can. It's important to the company to get Absolutely. both those cars in. So, um, I don't know how that plays out. I don't know if they'll be successful at it, but, um, I, I think, you know, it's definitely, definitely a priority. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I don't think Larson and the, the five team are going to show up at Kansas and or Martins will just kind of shrug their shoulders and be like, Oh, whatever. I think they're, going to be very sound there especially at kansas i think they're gonna be very good there just i mean because... he could larson not easily just do the exact same thing next week <laughs> absolutely and i think honestly i wouldn't be surprised if he did <laughs> didn't um i think they're gonna be just fine i just think they're they're so locked in and they're so in step with what they need on these mile and a half racetracks they don't have to have that intense focus but you know like you said though cliff daniels is a chad canals prodigy and he always wants more he's never going to relent and that's why that team is so good i don't think cliff gets enough uh, credit for that yeah, I, I saw the NBC graphic. It was probably like midway through the race today where Larson is already like the all-time single-season laps led record at um, yep. for mile-and-a-half tracks. And um, so he's got that mark checked off. And I believe I, I was looking at uh, – I was trying to find this stat, and the only thing I can find is on Reddit. I linked to this on Twitter. Um, but since it went to the 36 uh, race format in 2001 – um, I believe the all-time uh, single-season laps led record is like 2,500-ish by mm-hmm. Jeff Gordon. And Larson is going to have a really good shot at that uh, based on this season so far. Um, you know, he led another whatever 200-something today. So now he's at 2,267. And you've got uh, a 500-lap race at Martinsville coming up. You know, uh, you've got more laps at Kansas that he could lead. So he, he's within distance of that for sure. And, you know, that's going to be quite a statement if he can show up at Hendrick in his first year and not only win eight races, but potentially get the most laps led that anybody has done since it went to 36 races. I mean, as dominant seasons as people have had, I mean, that really shows you what Larson's been able to accomplish this year. So it, it's um, incredible. I mean, road courses, it, it, he never won on a road course before this year. He's checked that box multiple times, you know, intermediate tracks never won an intermediate track this year now it's like you can't lose on an intermediate track it, it's just it has been a remarkable remarkable year and i would say across motorsports he's the driver of the year if you look at it what he's done in nascar what he's done outside of nascar and the big wins he's had eldora king's royal um the the chili bowl uh, it's just it's incredible i mean it really truly is he's just it's it, this is kyle larson's year and i don't think anyone even comes close yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's easy to, you know, just sort of shrug our shoulders at this point and go, oh, another Larson win. But, um, yeah, it's it's impressive. So, Jordan, where, do, where does this playoff field go from here now? Because, you know, obviously we've documented that, look, Logano's probably in a must win. Um, you know, I, I think it, it kind of depends a little bit whether next week produces a repeat winner or a non-playoff winner. Like, for instance... If Larson wins again next week, that opens another spot up on points, right? So yep. that changes the dynamic because purely by points, like let's say Larson hadn't even won this race today just and, and locked himself in. Larson right now has a 51-point lead over second place. So And, and he had gone in with such a, a sizable lead over everybody else. Everybody else was kind of bunched up together uh, for the most part. So, you know... Second, Ryan Blaney is second in points, but as we documented, like he doesn't have that much of a cushion. So mm. I, I think whether Kansas produces a winner that locks himself in 
and then you go to um, Martinsville with only one spot on points and you know one for the winner, assuming that's a playoff driver that wins. I think that really changes the calculus versus okay, there's an extra spot now. You know what I mean? Like I think that could really make a difference. I think what Kansas comes down to is who can avoid making mistakes, who can have a good day, and if you do make a mistake, can you recover from it? Kyle Busch today, I thought, did a remarkable job in that 18 team when they had an issue early in the race. Kyle sped on pit road. Can't make that mistake. You can't do that. Put himself in the back, then got a piece of an accident, that that big multi-car wreck early on. But that 18 team worked it to their advantage where Kyle, you know, they used strategy. Kyle got a stage one out of that. That's 10 points that he got. Well, guess what? He's plus eight now. So those 10 points were invaluable. And you have to be able to recover from those kind of mistakes. And you look at Hamlin today. Hamlin had a – honestly, that that race could have gone horribly wrong for him at the end. He was in two crashes, and he finished 11th. <laughs> like, with a, with a car, I mean, granted, it was timing. If that race would have gone 10 more laps, I don't know how much longer they could have been on the racetrack. But they still leave with a plus-nine cushion, so they salvaged it. That's what you got to do. And I think Kansas is going to be about not making mistakes, not putting yourself in a position – and getting stage points and just leaving there above the cut line in some way, shape, or form. If you can get a win, great. But at the end of the day, just be ahead of that cut line going into Martinsville so you're not having to play catch-up. Uh, we mentioned it earlier about Logano and, and kind of Truex, but I think both of those guys are kind of in must-win mode now. So it really doesn't matter what happens with them at Kansas unless they can win. And Elliott and, and Keselowski are kind of in that bubble that they can get their point their way in. But again, I, I think in Keselowski's case, He's going to have to have some help. It is just avoiding mistakes. Do not play catch up. Make sure you put yourself in a position where you're maximizing your day in stage one, stage two, and then you're there at the end. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to say because, you know, normally you would think, okay, the races progressively get more important as the round goes on. But I feel like so many of them are good at Martinsville. So many of these final eight that Absolutely. have made it this year. like it almost in a lot of ways really comes down to Martinsville. Like you're saying like, okay, you, yeah. you already know it's like for Truex and Logano, like you just said, like, okay, maybe they can look ahead to Martinsville now. Um, Texas sort of set the scene. I think, yeah, Kansas, you have a, a potential to lock yourself in and maybe that changes the point picture. But if you have a bad day at Kansas, you're going to be like, all right, well, we'll just go win Martinsville. And you know, if you have a, a, a good day, that's not a win and you're just like a top five, you're like, okay, well, it's still about Martinsville. So in, in many ways, Kansas feels like it's sort of almost easy to overlook. Like, I'm sure they want to go do well and win it if they can, but it's not a must. It's not like almost as important as even sort of today is in sort of a like a tone setting kind of way. I think the the stage is set now um, for how this round is going to unfold. And uh, I'm already kind of like getting geeked up for Martinsville just talking about it because it's, it's going to be that is going to be a big time race. It's going to be a throwdown. It is going to be the uh, NASCAR equivalent of a Royal Rumble. And, and I've said that every year. When NASCAR moved this race to the last race of the semifinal round, I thought it was an inspired move. I mean, it's a short track where you beat and bang and throw you throw your car around and not afraid to move guys around. That's what you want to see. And I just looked at it. Of the eight guys here, six of them have won at, at Martinsville. The only guy is two guys who haven't. One is Kyle Larson, who's already locked in, so it really doesn't matter. And the other guy is, is Ryan Blaney who has come close many, many times there, has led a lot of laps and been in position to win and just hasn't for various reasons. You make a great point, Jeff. 
every one of those guys can go to Martinsville and probably thinks they can win it. And that means <laughs> only one of them can. And that means like, it's going to be a street fight. It is. I mean, it sounds like perfectly, but it's going to be one of those races where you're going to have to shove guys around and do some things that, like you said earlier, I mean, you're going to have to be an asshole on the racetrack. Yeah. Ryan Blaney's quote, Dustin Long got that quote, by the way. He, a great quote. Yeah. That should be, that's, that actually should be a NASCAR motto. <laughs> NASCAR. <laughs> we're, we're assholes on the racetrack. I mean, that's just great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I was asking Blaney about that three wide that he had with Harvick and, and Hamlin there that end up sure. cutting Hamlin's tire. And he's just like, you, there's, you cannot back out there. You have to yeah. stay in it. I mean, you, you just, you, you know, he's like, I had probably one foot on either side of my car playoff situation. You know, if you, if you back out there, you lose your momentum, you've lost several spots. Ultimately it cut Hamlin's tire down, but they talked and they were fine. I mean, Hamlin's just, he gets it. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's just, it's just what you have to do with this style of racing. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I want yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to ask you a question about that. And it kind of goes back to Martin Truex Jr. Is you're a non-playoff driver. He, Martin Truex Jr. today had contact with, with Daniel Suarez. Suarez and it sent Truex slamming into the wall in turn four. How do you, what was your, how do you view that kind of incident? I mean, had had Suarez raced him like really hard and like maybe drifted up the track and taken him out, I'd view it differently. But looking at the replay, I mean, Suarez was there, held his line and was racing for a top 10 finish, which he got. And, you know, Suarez doesn't have like a lot of top 10s this year. I think it's only his fourth top 10 of the year. So, I mean, if you're that team, I mean, you he what do you suppose what's he supposed to do just be like oh come on down you know you're in the playoffs i just won't make contact with you the one i had a little bit more problem with uh was tyler reddick today um <laughs> now william byron's not a, a playoff driver anymore but i would have thought tyler reddick would give byron a little bit more room after they had their run-in at the roval that basically cost byron um a chance to, at the win and then reddick is coming up there trying to like side draft byron and and you know potentially cuts his tire again. I guess, you know, Byron was able to salvage the day, but I was just like, Whoa, that's, that's a dicey one there, Tyler. I don't know about that, you know, but as far as Suarez, I don't, I don't think he was at fault in any way. Do you? No, I, I don't think so either. And I think he's in a tough situation there where you got a guy coming down on you. And if you let off, you're putting yourself vulnerable to the guy behind you where he's probably going to run into you much like the Blaney thing where Blaney can't really back off in that situation because if he does, he's going to get eaten up by everybody it's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. And for the Tyler Reddick thing, I don't know. I mean, I look at it differently. Like Tyler's racing for his first career win. He's got an opportunity. He's an aggressive driver. Like I want to see that out of him. I want to see him be go out there and not be afraid. And I don't want to ruin people's days, but I also, I'd like the fact that he's up on the wheel and is willing to go after it. That's what makes him so good. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like longer term, I guess it's a yeah, bigger picture. When you've you know, you've already pissed off a guy last week, which it was his fault in that situation, and then if you come right back, I mean, because Byron had a chance to win this race, and uh, I mean that didn't cost him. I mean, Larson was just a faster car, but and 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 Byron ultimately finished second anyway. But um, I guess my point. Oh, oh, I just remembered this. This is totally changing the subject, <laughs> but I'm so excited to tell you this. Did you watch Larson's? Uh, did you catch any of his post race press conference at all? Uh, a little bit, yes. Okay, did you see the the part where he revealed some tea about the restart, the last restart? 
I did not know. I was having little issues logging in. Okay. So he said that coming to that last restart, he was like, please, Brad, line up behind me. Please, Keselowski. Not because he thought Keselowski was a better pusher, which, you know, Keselowski gave him a great push. But the other alternative for that row. Yes, I did see this. Was Christopher Bell, who <laughs> Larson, you know, they they had their little, their words or whatever, um, dating back months now, right? Uh, Watkins Glen. Yeah. And so, and, and obviously Bell was very upset, still is upset. They never talked. They never resolved it. And so here you are in a playoff race. You talk about, you know, Elliot and Harvick and, and, you know, making sure that that's all smoothed over and, and, you know, not costing yourself. Well, Larson is sitting there on a restart going, Oh my gosh, if bell lines up behind me, he said, not that he thought bell was going to wreck him, but you know, he wouldn't maybe give him, give him as good of a push, um, or tr just try to immediately pull out on him uh, three wide or whatever. So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting that that that's what's in his <laughs> mind. Like, uh Oh, hope it's not bell. And they used to be, you know, I'm not saying they were tight, but pretty they were friends. They got along pretty well. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. like their their whole upbringing was the same and um Larson was a, a big proponent of of pushing for Bell to get chances and things like that. So their their relationship is certainly uh certainly soured if if that was on his mind. But anyway, I thought I thought that was interesting too. No, Sorry to change point. subjects, I mean, but No, I mean it, it's a valid point and it plays into what you were talking about with Reddick and Byron. Drivers have long memories and they don't forget. Um I also think that sometimes you can get too worried about that and too consumed by it and you have to do, and you're sacrificing, you're sacrificing what is good for you just not to make somebody mad. Where at the end of the day, if you're Tyler Reddick, like, I want to win a race. I've never won at the cup level before. I want to show people I can do this. And those opportunities are not they're They're getting there more frequently for him, but they're not there every week. Hey, uh, I just want to double back on one thing too. Do you think I, I, personally think it's over between Elliot and Harvick as we talked uh, through the reasons I laid out last week despite Harvick's comment even before the NASCAR call but like I was asking drivers about it today not all of them think it's over like Truex said it's not over what where where do you land on uh do you think that we could see this pop up again or will those two never have a run-in going forward I would not, I'm not saying it's over or not over. I will just say that if something happens to Chase Elliott involving the four at Martinsville, I would not be shocked. I'm not saying Harvick's going to go out there and wreck him or anything like that, but maybe a nudge on the racetrack, maybe moving him up. You know, it's not going to be like a Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott thing in 2017 kind of moment, but I don't think this is over. I mean, Harvick's, let's be honest, I mean, Harvick's not the kind of guy to let something like this go. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that they're, we're not going to see something between these guys before it's all said and done. I don't know. I, I think Harvick has too much respect for the sport to like just go out there and just keep. I mean, he okay, already got well, his. Hang on. Well, hang on okay. whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying you're, you're respect for the sport, but also, we, let's be honest. I mean, 2015 at Talladega, we talked about this on this podcast before. Like That was to save thing? himself. Through Harvick's lens, that was to save himself. I get that that was not a good move, but everything – if you look back at Harvick, I mean, what he did at Martinsville last year to Kyle Busch, he's trying to save himself. At the Roval with Chase, he's obviously not trying to save himself, but he was taking revenge for what he felt was a perceived slight. So you would think that revenge is checked now. NASCAR has now talked to them and threatened them with further action. Harvick's not going to get himself suspended by mucking up the you know, elimination race for just 
to insert himself into that. Now he did yeah. say, he said he, today as he's walking away, he said he's ecstatic that there's only three races left and he can't wait for the season to end basically. So, um, I, I think that he probably doesn't have a lot else going on that excites him right now. Uh, so maybe he would find some entertainment in doing that, but I just don't, I just don't, I don't know, it's hard to picture that happening. Well, and again, and that's why I don't think Harvick's going to go out there and wreck Elliott because then it would invite all sorts of other issues and NASCAR is going to have no choice to get involved. But at Martinsville, if you get your bumper onto him and kind of move him up the racetrack a little bit and cost him some positions, that that's one way of kind of getting a little bit of payback without being so overt about it. So I think it could be something as subtle as that. Jordan, it's time to celebrate another victory for me in the Was It a Good Race poll. I know you care about this very much, um, and I'm up 4-2 to two now. I'm basically two wins away from clinching the championship. So, hooray! Yay! Anyway, <laughs> uh, what's your guess going to be on this interesting Texas race that started uh, as typical Texas and ended as typical crazy restart 550 package. Do you have the other Texas numbers in front of you? No. I mean, I could pull okay. them up, but I, no, have, okay. I didn't put no, in the no, effort no, it's, today. It's, it's my fault for thinking you'd be prepared. My mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 35%. Oh, wow. That's low. Holy cow. Is it that bad? Or do people think it that bad about this race? Okay. I don't think I mentioned earlier in the show. Didn't think it was that great of a race. The last forty laps or so were were entertaining, not that great of a race. Pretty much was a runaway for Kyle Larson. Led a lot of laps. People do not like this package. They do not like this track. You add all that together, I think you're going to get a low number. Wow. I guess I mean you make a lot of good points, and and the more I think about it, you're probably right. I mean Vegas got well. Vegas was the worst race of the year, right? Because people don't like the 550 package, and but Vegas, nothing really happened stuff happened in this race to like spice it up a little bit. Um, Oh man, 35 just seems low. I I was honestly, I I'm, I'm not going to try to box you in here with your number. Um, and suddenly be like, Oh, I'm going 40. I I was thinking 50. So I'm just going to go with 50. Now, could it be lower than that? Yeah. I mean, I think it could potentially end up in the forties, but I'm just going to try to play it fair here and just say 50 and, and not, not try to, be a jerk and box you in like that just to score a cheap win, but it's got to be oh, over thirty. That would be so beneath right? you to do. Yeah, uh, it would we'll be. See. It I, would be. I, I like to win fair and square here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Jordan, um, you know, before the season, we were sort of like dividing up the the races, right? There was two big <laughs> events at Circuit of the Americas this year, and we made an agreement that whoever went to NASCAR Coda that person would stay home and the other person would go to Coda F1. Now you were very gracious and truly deferred to me and let me have this pick despite me saying, no, no, you pick, you pick. You, you see, I really don't care. I'll go to either. And at the time at that time of season, I was just so fired up about Coda NASCAR. I was like, I got <laughs> I got to be there for the debut. Well now Have you dried off from that yet, by the way <laughs> <laughs> now, um, guess what? Coda F1 is next week. Mick Schumacher was here at the track today. Uh, Sergio Perez was in Dallas on Saturday during the Xfinity race doing like some burnouts in downtown Dallas with like apparently over 30,000 people. Um, So everybody's fired up. The Formula One drivers are 
coming to town and you are getting to go. I am so jealous and I hate my decision from earlier in this year. Two things here. Okay. Two things. One, I let you have the option of going to both Coda NASCAR and Coda Formula One. I was insistent upon it. I just want that on the record. You were, but I felt that was like extremely unfair. Like extremely, extremely unfair. I wasn't going to do that. You could have gone. You, the option was there. Yeah, but what a, I mean, what an absolutely jerk move that would be to be like, yeah, oh, you know be, what? That would be really out of character for you, too. <laughs> hey, don't don't tempt <laughs> me to suddenly fly down there, Jordan. Uh, uh, that, that, that brings me to my second point, which okay. is um, um, hotel accommodations uh, are a little bit of an issue, shall we <laughs> oh say? Oh, my gosh. So, you guys, you guys, you got to get this, okay? Jordan booked ahead. Knowing really that he was going to go for months, and he found this great rate that he's been yeah. so good hotel, nice hotel. Jordan has been so proud of this rate. You've been telling other people about this rate yes. and excited about this great rate. That you got the, the colleagues of mine were like, "Are you kidding?" Like, they wanted to see it. They physically did not believe me, and I had to like physically show them. And they're like, "Holy hell! Wow! Okay! Wow! That's incredible!" Well, it turns out it was too good to be true. <laughs> not because Jordan did anything wrong. Not at all. In fact, we had to verify this on Google because we're like, is this, are they just trying to kick Jordan out of the hotel? <laughs> Jordan's hotel caught on fire. It caught on fire. Someone was trying to charge their scooter battery in their room and it caught on fire and they called Jordan and they said, you can't stay here anymore. So now poor Jordan, one week out from F1, does anybody have a couch? Does any of our listeners have a couch Jordan can sleep on? I kid you not. I did a. I, we have a travel service we use. I've been trying to diligently go through them, and I looked this week. Like the cheapest room I could find is like six fifty one a night. Oh my god! What are you gonna do? Like there, are, most of the hotels. I kid you not, are low thousand dollars. Like they're like it's it's ridiculous. I don't know. That is a great question. Um. So so maybe yeah, you're I not going. But sir, surely <laughs> one of our listeners can open their home to you, right? Would you Would you do that? Would you stay on somebody's couch if they're a teardown listener? Oh, <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Jordan, another I'm option not is no, but I was we'll... there. You know, I, I did some scouting for you um, when I was there in Austin. And unfortunately, sign of the times, I did notice there are some large um, homeless camps and populations under some of the bridges. So I'm not pushing you that direction, but I may not have a choice. <laughs> there are some potential uh, camps that you could stay in around Austin. Um, I did notice that was, that was sort of a thing. Unfortunately, uh, it's happening to many, many cities, including Denver where I live and all this stuff. So, uh, very unfortunate, but that, that could be, I, I don't know what you're you going to do. So I, no, I, I legit, I'm not kidding around. I don't know what we're going to do. Like it is a thing. Like, could you sleep in your car or in the rental car? I'm sorry. I am like a normal human being. I like to shower. <laughs> I make I take multiple showers a day. I'm hygienic. I, I don't know. I mean, no, I'm not sleeping in my car. And then like, where am I going to shower? Like go to a rest stop? You know, Jordan, I've been around some of these journalists. Um, I've covered F1 before and um, not <laughs> yeah. all of those journalists I, from the other countries Rolex, shower. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, and I'm not, I'm not, that's just, no, I'm, it's, it's the, I mean, I've covered the Rolex 24. I know, I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. I get so, it. So you'd fit in, in the media center. People wouldn't judge. The international saying, crowd. That kind if of there's a race I could get away with it, it would be this race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and they'd be like, oh, smelly American or something. I don't know. But I mean, you're not going to see these people regularly, you know? I mean, it's only my reputation. What do I care? 
Yeah, yeah. And then by the time you get to Miami next year, you'll be showered, you'll be clean, if we go to that, I guess, because, you know, our hotel could burn down again. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, well, <laughs> I really I really hope it works out, and I really hope that at this time next week, we are talking to you from Circuit of the Americas, and you've oh had car. a successful... Yeah, in your, in your car. I don't know how you're going to find a radio room to talk there. Uh, I think they will actually be take because, you know, when I did the podcast with you, there, there's all these radio rooms that are built for all the different broadcast uh, outlets for F1 from that come from the other countries. But they're actually like used by them. So I don't know. I mean, you, it's going to be an interesting, interesting week next week. But I've got no hotel. I've got nowhere to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kansas will be go- taking place. So. Maybe that'll buy you some time, right? Is the F1 really? race going head-to-head with the NASCAR no, race? That's a good question. I think it's a little I, bit earlier maybe, right? Yeah, like, I think it's a little earlier, but there, there's definitely an overlap for sure. Well, and, and NASCAR races are so long that uh, yeah. it, no matter when it starts, I mean, you could you could start a, an F1 race at stage two of a NASCAR <laughs> race, and it would still be finished before the end of a, uh, a NASCAR race. So anyway, um yeah. Anyway, we're, we've gotten a uh, punch junk here, perhaps. So perhaps it's, <laughs> it's time to log off. But uh, friends, as it looks today, it looks like today is October 17th as we record this. And we still haven't gotten any word that uh, there's going to be an extension of the athletics 50% off deal past October 20th. So this is really the final days, I think, to take advantage of 50% off for the entire website. We really hope you do that uh, to access that first time subscriber offer you can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown and you can subscribe there and uh they will note it that both jordan and i helped uh generate a subscription for the company and that will uh make us make our bosses happy so we appreciate your help if you want to do that jordan any, any final thoughts from uh from today don't have any final thoughts. Just got a note. Uh, tech is complete or you're at Texas. No, uh, no issues of note. Okay. There you go. And no issues of note from me as well. We'll let you, uh, find your hotel scouting everybody else. Um, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the Terror.